issues. Aspiration, of course, should be number one. The the desire to go and and actually walk the path is two, and then the proper map is three, and I guess they're equally important. And then recognizing the hurdles and the obstacles that you're going to meet along the way, which is manipulation and control and relationship in terms of the personal life. In terms of the professional life, it's going to be your occupation. Will my occupation, will my career, will what I do with my professional time get me to Nagoya, or will it get me to Tokyo? Well, every profession is only going to get you to Shizuoka or Nagoya. You have to be headed to Tokyo. To get, to get Nagoya into Tokyo, you've got to be going to Tokyo. You can get to Nagoya, but you won't get to Tokyo. But you could get to Tokyo and still have Nagoya in your bag, as it were. You know? So in that sense, this is the new dispensation. Or this is the way the new teaching is looking. What do you need to be in Tokyo? How do you get to Tokyo and still manifest in all the normal ways that people function normally? This is what humanity wants. They don't want special religious lives that leave out possibilities for other forms of dimensions of exploration. We want our explorations to be wider, to be more incorporating than they've been in the past. Now, we couldn't do that in the past because fundamentally people weren't smart enough to do it. People didn't have the complexity of the neural networking, which is exponentiating, by the way. Our brains are getting more and more complex every generation, and because of that, there's certain things we don't have to, like we don't have to learn how to invent fire now. You know, we don't have to go out and get two sticks. And we don't have to, like, figure out how to deal with compost or something, right? I mean, we've got flush toilets. Don't get me into the environmental thing because I agree with you already. Um, But I'm just trying to use the metaphor, right? So that was good at the time, because that's what we needed, but we don't need it now. So what we need now is this this new paradigm or this new way of looking at things. And this new paradigm or this new way of looking at things is kind of full circle. Now, as you know, a circle goes around on itself, right? And so in a sense, there's no beginning or end to a circle. And that's called, one of the words for that in Sanskrit is samsara which means from the ego point of view, our lives go around and around and around on the same circle. Now, the awakening thought, sometimes disguised as more money, better job, better relationship, uh, nicer clothes, uh, education, better education, moves the circle off the circle and turns it into a spiral. So now you come back, come back to the starting point, but you come back a little, you know, a little farther out or a little farther in depending on which way you want to use the metaphor. The issue is is that that determining characteristics of the spiral now are going to be determined by what? You're still growing, you're still evolving, you're still learning, you're still unfolding as a human being, but where are you going to end up is going to be determined by what? Which map? Which map and which aspiration you have? So if the aspiration is Nagoya, which is a perfect relationship or the wonderful career job or, or you know, just to be happy and healthy and live a long life and be nice to my neighbors. These are all good things, right? But they're not Tokyo. And therefore, your spiral will evolve, but it will only evolve to the limits of your vision, which in this case, uh, say, is Nagoya. Right? Now, if your aspiration is Tokyo, it is a farther journey. It's farther only in the sense that your your learning curve has to be dimensionally larger than the vision that you're handed with the map of being a person, which is get married, have kids, 
have a good job, be healthy, treat your neighbors nice, and die. Oh, retire. Retire and go to Florida and wear plaid pants and die. Hit a few golf balls. If this is your vision, it's perfectly fine. But you should know it. Because the awakening will drive you insane. I mean, I mean that um, metaphorically. If you're trying to, if you think you're headed to Tokyo and you're trying, you're actually functioning to get to Nagoya, it's going to cause you some degree of uncomfort. But if you know you're going to Tokyo, then getting, uh, getting to Nagoya or Shizuoka is partway on the journey. It's okay. Now, in modern management lingo, this is called creative tension. The, the creative tension between your vision and where you currently are. Now, if you can handle that tension, right, it's called creative because you can use the next step of your evolution or the next step of your learning to take you towards Tokyo. But if that tension is, is if that tension between where you're at and where you want to go is too disturbing emotionally, it's called emotional tension. And emotional tension is very destructive. Emotional tension is very scary, and emotional tension is very dehabilitating, right? And so you crash and burn. And so this is why a lot of people kind of try the spiritual life and then give up on it, because they haven't understood the difference between the creative tension and the emotional tension. The emotional tension is where you're at now, where you'd like to be, and say, my life isn't working, you know, it's the relationships didn't work, the job and the career is not enough, the f- I had the kids and the families, and I still feel empty. This is all emotional tension. It's dehabilitating because it, it causes you to fall in on yourself. It causes you to collapse in on yourself. Fair enough? Creative tension is the other way. It says, okay, here's where I want to be, here's where I am, what's my next step? And wh- where do you look to for your next step? your map. And other people who uh, you feel have the same destination, whether or not they're using exactly the same map. Now, you can only walk to Tokyo from where you're at. So in the old days, we had a few maps, right? Because everybody's coming from the same place. (laughs) As a species, we're all coming from Kyoto. But now, we're not. Right? Now, as a species, we're, we're, we're not all coming from Kyoto. We're coming from Kyoto, and we're coming from Hokkaido. So the, the problem with the, the map is that we have, a, we have a new situation where we have to develop a map that speaks to everybody coming from every direction. So obviously, that includes women. That kind of goes without saying. right? But it also includes the Asiatic mind and the Asiatic approach and the European mind and the European approach and the North American mind and the North American approach. So... This is very interesting because the only thing that talks, curiously enough, the only thing that talks to the planet in terms of seeing the planet as a consciousness rather than a bunch of nations like Japan over here and America over there. The only thing that, if you want to talk to people that come from Japan and you want to talk to people that come from America, what do you need to do to have a common language? You have to go beyond America and you have to go beyond Japanese. So where is the common ground? The human. You're both human. So we're leaving, we're leaving teachings that are speaking to races, and we're entering a vision of teaching that speaks to humanity. Now, if we're talking to humanity as a vision and as a map and as a language, we can't be stuck in Zen. We, perfectly good tool. We can't be stuck in Christianity. Perfectly good. Well, it can be a perfectly good tool. We have to find a language that speaks to all of us. Now, what language is currently on the planet that speaks to everybody? There's basically two. 
music? Mm. Not terribly useful as a map as such. Psychology? Psychology. Science. Science. Art. Art. Music. Dance. Yeah. These dance. These are all very good, but they're 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 you don't get many people talking about how to work together as a species necessarily through those things. But where do we all live already? Where are we all living already? That speaks to all of us as a global community. Hmm? On the earth. Business. We're all into money and property and possessions and clothes and culture and travel. and we, Business runs the world, right? We all work for somebody. We all have jobs with somebody. Somebody's paying us, right? And so business is the only language that speaks to the global community as a global enterprise. They don't recognize the difference between borders. You don't have to speak the same language, in, in a sense, I suppose you do, but the language is a business language, right? It, it transcends our individual languages. And the nice thing about business, of course, is it talks to success and failure. It worked or it didn't work. Either this project worked and made money, or it didn't, it failed. It's very clear, it's like an engineering thing. But, of course, the motivation of business is profit, and that's not Tokyo. That's Shizuoka. <laughs> so we have another area that speaks to the global community, which we don't yet have a clear language for, nor a clear measurement system for success or failure that is valued by the species, humanity yet, and that is Gaia, the planetary consciousness environmental. So we can still afford to ignore the Kyoto Accord because people aren't looking at the results. This lesson isn't getting through in our minds in terms of air and water and and uh, everything else. It's not registering. Even while we know it, it's, we're not paying attention because the, because the measurement system for it is not yet evolved. So these are the two areas that we can use as kind of maps in terms of how do, okay, how do we measure whether we're moving to Tokyo in a clear, radiant way? It's like, are we acting together as a common species, or are we acting as two individuals with self and other? Now, what does this require? Where did we start? Surrender, control. So in order for me to see myself as part of the global family, I have to give up a certain something, don't I? I have to give up the idea that I am separate from you. If I'm in business with Dana, we have a very clear protocol on, on whether, you know, does she make a profit? Do I make a profit? Is it sustainable for her? Is it sustainable for me? We have a very clear way of seeing whether Dana can stay in business given how I'm um, treating her and whether I can stay in business given how she's treating me. It's very clear. And it should be fairly clear from the Kyoto Protocol that we're not going to stay in business very long as a planet unless we start thinking differently. If we, if every nation in the earth acted according to the Kyoto Accord, there would still be more CO2 going into the atmosphere than is coming out of it forever. In other words, it's not even a beginning. They can't even agree on, we can't even agree on that. And even if we did all, the whole planet, Canada, the United States, and China, if we all agreed on it, it still wouldn't be enough. CO2 levels would still be increasing endlessly. So the issue is that in order for us 
to be able to evolve a planetary consciousness, which we're going to call Tokyo in its manifestation, because the awakening, the next step of the awakening is not the individual. The next step of the awakening is the group. And in order to be part of a group, we have to surrender our old sticks and matches and you know, baseball games, or I don't know, whatever we're attached to. We have to let that go a bit. Otherwise, we're not, we can't talk the same language, can we? So what language do we need to talk? Well, we need to talk the language of business in terms of survival for people. We need to talk in terms of the language of social interaction in terms of community. We have to talk about the environment. I don't think anybody's really talking about the fact that 7 billion people is unsustainable on planet Earth. We talk about air pollution, we talk about the economy, we talk about biomass, we talk about you know, the food crisis and the AIDS epidemic, but I don't hear a lot of people saying the Earth cannot support 7 billion people. And the, the ones that do are voices in the wilderness. Nobody's, basically nobody's listening, or the people that are listening are already converted. And the fourth aspect of it is the spiritual, and the spiritual part is the part that says, if we want to survive and thrive as a species, and if we want the planet to be habitable, and if we want to be in good places, we have to see the self as other. Now, Jesus said it, you know, 2,000 years ago, when he said, you know, treat other as yourself. But treating the other as yourself still indicates kind of a gap, doesn't it? Because you're treating the other as yourself. The new way of saying it has to be something like the other is yourself. You are me, and I am you. And we can't begin to talk about a spiritual awakening in the 21st, 2nd, and 3rd centuries until we recognize there is no distinguishing gap between your being and my being in any fundamental sense of the word that's important enough for us to cherish and be able to indulge our fear of being subsumed and controlled by other because it's the fear of being subsumed and controlled by other that keeps us separate and it's the separateness that causes us, creates the inability for us to find a language that transcends our current paradigm and the old languages aren't good enough because they're too far back in time to deal with the modern paradigm of 7 billion people, global warming and uh, international business. How do we avoid the trap of, of thinking, um, well, since there's no difference between you and I, and you've gotten up to make a phone call, so I'll just order you chocolate cake for dessert because that's what I like. Yeah, well, this this is a very, very practical question, but it's very relevant. First, you have to have the vision. First, you have to have the view, right? It's not resolvable as long as you see the two people as separate people. So the first thing you got to do is see yourself as one. So if you see yourself as one person called humanity, you wouldn't order it. Because unless the view's in first, you'll never solve the problem, which is why we're in the mess we're in. The view has to come first, and the view isn't first. The view is still built in ego identity. The the view is still built in in that my ego is the ultimate bottom line controller of what's right and what's wrong, not what is right or wrong for the species. And as long as what's right or wrong is determined from me, we'll never, ever agree. Because you're coming from different places, you're coming from different conditions, you're coming from different languages. The only language that works so far for that is language of international business. They agree on that language, and that language rules the individual. Now, the fear, of course, from the West is we're going to lose our individuality. The fear from the East is that they're going to have to actually be individuals in order to have an opinion, in order to not just be in groupthink. So the difference between groupthink, 
which is kind of the, maybe the Japanese model, and over-identification with individuality, which is the American model, shows you the two polarities of the dilemma. So what has to be surrendered? Well, from the American side, what has to be surrendered is an over-identity with the individual's right and power to make its own decisions regardless of what somebody else wants. Right? And the problem from the Asian side, right, or the Canadian side, <laughs> is that as long as it's all okay and we're, you know, we're getting, we can go shopping and it's okay, we don't have to worry about you know, <laughs> Fukushima or something. I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point. So, we come back to the central point, which is the only way that we can get to Tokyo as a species, right, or in larger numbers, is that we have to start thinking that we are cells in a body rather than individuals. Now, every cell in a body does something. You know, the liver has its job. It's a group of cells. The kidney has its job. So it's not that the liver, ha everybody's a liver, right, or everybody's a kidney. But it's that we have to recognize that while you're being a kidney and you're being a liver and you're being a brain and you're being uh, a sensing function, right, that unless we work with the same vision in place, the system will be fighting itself, and that's exactly what the planet's doing. The planet is at war with itself, because the current economic model and the current information structural model out there is the engineering model. And the engineering model produces waste. We need to start thinking in terms of a living organism model. We have to think of ourselves as a forest, or we have to think of ourselves as a swamp. Or a, or a marsh, where there's, a li in other words, a living system. So the new paradigm coming down the tube for the spiritual manifestation at a physical level is that we are a biomass. We are a biological unit in a swamp, and we cannot allow ourselves to think that we're not intimately and personally and psychologically and emotionally connected to the other part of the biomass that is doing something else. In other words, there has to be zero waste, there has to be zero conflict in a way, there has to be zero conflict in a way in terms of getting trapped in the polarity of ego consciousness. So you're surrendering your, from a Western point of view, a Canadian, American point of view, you're surrendering your identity. I am me. From an Asian point of view, you're surrendering your I don't have to think about it. Not my problem. I'm, I don't have to look at this one. When we talk about the issues you're going to meet in that process, in terms of your ego position, what are you going to start to feel as you get close to that edge? Anxiety. Tension. How do you deal with tension? I just run back. You run away. That's, that's the number one. Um, how do you deal with tension? I buckle down. You buckle down, right? It's still tension there, right? Uh, zone out or... Zone out. You, know, you, you only have three options with mm -hmm. tension. Emotional tension. You either fight, you run, or you hide. In, in emotional tension, you either fight, you run, or you hide. Those are your options. From the point of view of creative tension, if you're with me on this, from the point of view of creative tension, you go, oh, here's the creative tension. I need to drop my individuality in order to see what the organism needs. And the organism means that you, uh, you with me, are one living organism. And if you're not in a good place, I can't be. So, in other words, you, what you're abandoning here, this idea, is that 
other people's problems aren't yours and yours aren't other people's. And that's curiously enough a circle because that's how tribes function. But tribes are functioning with the idea that they're only a little tribe in the Amazon. They don't see the planet. So we're coming around back to the tribal thing. We've gone, you know, through the farm communities of the 1900s in America, barn raising and, and so on. And then you had nations. And we're coming back on that circle, but we're coming back from a different place. Again, we've come around on that circle, but the circle that we haven't come around on yet, and it's demonstrated in our environment, it's demonstrated in our personal lives, and it's demonstrated in our ego fears, is that we are one cell each in a body called humanity. And this, as I see it, is where the dispensation and the map for the future lies in terms of the evolution of human consciousness, is that we start to move as a humanity, as an organism, rather than as a bunch of different cells, you know, struggling to figure out why they're wrong and why I'm right and how pissed off I am at them and what's their fault and etc. For more information, please visit clearskycenter.org. That's C-L-E-A-R-S-K-Y-C-E-N-T-E-R dot org. Thank you.